You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Hi, this is Arthur Rassius, Chief Revenue Officer of SHL. I'm joined today by Hung Lee uh, from Recruiting Brain Food, who will introduce himself in just a second. Um, and we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about the events that are really hitting us around the world around Black Lives Matter. Um, there are issues that are impacting all of us as professionals and as human beings quite personally. Um, and we're struggling uh, to figure out the answers to how help we can help our organization um, bring these discussions into action. Uh, so before we go into the conversation, Hung, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Arthur. Honored to be here. Uh, so my name is Hung Lee. Um, I write a newsletter called Recruiting Brain Food. Um, it's a curated newsletter. It goes to tens of thousands of people uh, every week. Um, and inevitably and, and rightfully, uh, Black Lives Matter and, and diversity and inclusion has been a big component of, uh, of that communication over the last uh, uh, several weeks or more. Yeah, thanks, um, Hung, and uh, look forward to the discussion. Uh, to get things started, um, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing and what you've been experiencing um, over the course of the last six weeks uh, with regards to um, the events that surrounded uh, uh, George Floyd's death. Yeah, well, I mean, let me just set the scene, Arthur. I mean, certainly from my side as a, as a, as a guy in the UK, um, uh, you know, not a black dude, um, I'm kind of um, uh, not really part of the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in any respect prior to this horrific incident um, that we all saw uh, captured so vividly um, you know, on, on camera. And, and I think that just seemed to be a moment um, that triggered um, a lot of required action. Um, I think a lot of people were mobilized to say, you know what, we knew there was a problem, um, but we probably, you know, it was one of those things that we, 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 we anticipated was a problem, but we didn't think that we had any way to impact it. Um, and just having seen that footage, I was just mobilized to do something myself. I mean, at that time, it was difficult for me to think what, I could possibly do to contribute. And the only thing I do is write a newsletter to a bunch of people in the recruitment and HR industry. And I just flat out said, hey, this is a problem. We need to talk about it. And I support the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I said that even kind of with the knowledge that that was gonna upset a few people. Um, because even though there's obviously been a changing situation, I think the momentum's kind of moved very much in favor of, uh, of supporting uh, Black Lives Matter. But back then it was still, I think, uh, much more controversial to do so. Um, and I had signals sort of uh, from people not to, to be so explicit in my support um, and to say, hey, Hong, keep it apolitical, so to speak, quote unquote. Um, you know, I don't subscribe to your newsletter uh, to get politics, that kind of feedback uh, <laughs> I was getting, right? Uh, yeah. And so when I put that insert in, I thought, okay, we have to talk about this and we have to make this actually a priority discussion in our community. Um, I knew what would happen and, and it happened, you know, it triggered hundreds of people to unsubscribe. Um, and as a person who, you know, runs a business that is focused on building audience and building sort of subscriber growth and all the rest of it, 
you know, it was one of those things that you never do anything as, as you train yourself never to do anything to actually reduce the numbers of subscribers to your newsletter. Um, but in this case, I just thought, you know what, to hell with it. It has to be done. Um, uh, and, you know, even though I, I run what I hope to be a fairly um, agnostic thing, you know, people who disagree with me personally should still want to subscribe to Recruiting Brain Food because it's all about discussion. It's all about debate. I hope there's a, it's, a, it's a space where people um, can disagree in polite terms. Uh, but some things just go beyond the pale. Um, and, and this is one of those. It, basically, there is systemic racism in the US and in other places, um, uh, particularly uh, racism against black people um, that I think have a, a kind of a unique position um, in this. Um, and I thought we need to talk about it. We're in HR, we're in recruiting. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we basically curate uh, the cultures of, of, of thousands of businesses. Um, uh, we're actually a force that matters here. Um, and what are we doing about it? Um, uh, you know, and I, and I guess the message I had was a little bit of a challenge to the community to say, Hey, you know, we can't just be an adjudicator, um, and referee the discussions. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's time for us to, 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 to step into it, um, and, and start playing the game. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, good for you uh, for, for putting it out there. And, and, and I agree uh, with the sentiment in, in the early days, uh, people just didn't know what to do, um, especially uh, white males and, 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 and leaders of companies um, not truly appreciating uh, sort of the situation that was unfolding. Um, and, how, and, and how could many um, with, without the experiences that, that, that we've been able to learn through our listening sessions here at SHL. Um, so one of the things that, that, that we did is we fostered uh, listening sessions where we hired an outside facilitator uh, to go and, and create listening circles uh, where people would come together um, across the organization to just talk about um, the, the events that were unfolding, um, how it made them feel, what they were going through. Um, and they were sessions that were mixed with white people and black people and different from different genders. Uh, and when I was listening to those discussions, some of the things that I heard um, really changed me in, in, in many ways. Um, being somebody who um, has always not um, thought of myself um, in particular as someone of privilege, um, of, of, of someone that had biases uh, and, and, and things that were programmed within me um, because I had friends and I interacted with black people throughout my entire life. I just thought that I was an ally and, 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 and there I was, we were all the same. But when I listen to people talk about their experiences and, and, and the conversations they have to have with their children um, and, and, and the fears um, and the fear that they see sometimes in other people's eyes when they walk into a room um, and the, 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 the different comments that people have made throughout their lives um, and the fear that mothers have when, um, when their sons are out driving at night and if they get pulled over and what might happen. Um, and when you listen to that, um, you can't then do nothing. You have to think and you have to look within yourself um, for how, what can I do and am I associating myself with the right company and with the right people? 
in order to live the values that I want to live on, on, a, on a go forward basis. Uh, so I've been quite proud of us at SHL for, for, for listening. Um, now it's time to act. Uh, and that's the question. What do we do? Uh, so from, from, your, from what you're hearing and seeing, you know, what are some of the things that you're telling people to do? What are some things you're seeing people do right now in order to make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think the time for action is here, um, but the action has to be inclusive as well, you know. I mean, one of the things that is definitely true is that you can't go ahead and, and, and plow forward without interacting with the people who have the lived experience um, and, and, and have the most at stake. Um, so I think the number one thing um, that, that I've, uh, from, the community, from the community conversations I've been hearing is that you have to firstly acknowledge the existence of the problem. Um, uh, you know, it wasn't so long ago that there was flat out dismissal and denial. There still is uh, a, a great deal of that. If you just go to the wrong places on the internet, um, you'll find plenty of people that would still deny there's such a thing as uh, systemic racism. Um, uh, you know, they would look at the letter of the law and then say, hey, listen, how can there uh, be discrimination because it's illegal? Uh, for this to happen. Same argument against gender uh, sort of yep. inequity and all the rest of it because it's legally uh, uh, not there, therefore yep. de jure it isn't. But we have to, we have to sort of still negotiate and, 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 dis and discuss this issue, make sure that people are very clear that it's not necessarily about the law. Um, it's also about what happens in, in the reality of day-to-day -day living. Um, and you know, so number one, acknowledgement, I think, is super powerful. And that's got to come from the leadership. Um, that's got to come from people who, you know, are, are, are the, uh, at the apex of the, of, of the business. It cannot be uh, something that's hived off to HR, let's say. You know, this is CEO-level responsibility. Um, and we've seen some great examples, actually, of C-level people uh, step in and, and publicly make these uh, sort of statements of acknowledgement. Um, so number one is that. But not, um, to, not, to, not to interrupt you there with that acknowledgement. And I, I have talked to uh, many C-level executives at, 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 at top firms. And I think one of the challenges is these initial statements. It's I've, one of two things has happened. I think people have felt very comfortable with an initial statement saying we're for in support of Black Lives Matter and we're going to do things and got control of the messaging right away. Uh, and felt quite comfortable with that. On the opposite side, you see leaders who were concerned and didn't know what to say at the beginning and they didn't say too much. So I think the, when, when I talk to organizations and trying to figure it out, it's as much of what you said initially, but you're not gonna be just measured on that acknowledgement. It's what did you do when you look 12 months back? So for leaders who aren't overly satisfied with their initial reaction, that's okay. It, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done because ultimately it's 12 months from now. What did you do and what did you accomplish is how you're going to be measured. That's exactly right. I mean, I think one thing we have to do for people that have the, the will uh, uh, and the passion to do something about it, we have to also be forgiving of errors and mistakes. You know, not everyone's going to get this right. Um, and if you're absolutely fearful of making some sort of error, that's actually going to stop you from action. Um, uh, you know, if you imagine any situation, Arthur, where you had to take, take on something that maybe you've never done before, if your head and your heart is full of fear, the chances of you actually not doing that thing actually increase substantially. So we've got to remove that fear in some way and say, hey, listen, it's okay to make a mistake, uh, but let's keep moving forward. 
uh, let's find a way to do it. And one thing I have been encouraged by is that a lot of these statements have also attached, have had commitments attached to, um, where people have made public commitments um, of various types, whether it is to increase diversity at board level, uh, whether it is to uh, you know, change the, the, the uh, percentages of, 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 of new people coming into the business. I think Adidas, good example of that in the US was, was they made a very clear say, hey, listen, we're just we're going to increase our, uh, uh, the number of employees coming from uh, ethnic minority, African-American backgrounds, I think by 30% or something of that type. Uh, so making very clear uh, quantified statements of this type, I think is super powerful. It kind of very much adds credence uh, to, uh, uh, to, 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 the, to the statement of support uh, when they're actually articulating a, 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 a quantified objective to say they're going to do it in, in a time frame. Yeah, no, agreed. What do you think about unconscious bias training? I think any kind of awareness um, that we are not rational beings <laughs> is a good thing, Arthur. I think, as you mentioned right at the beginning of the show, we're like, we all walk around thinking, obviously, we're the most rational person in the room. Um, and of course, these biases don't affect us and everyone else has uh, you know, got blinkers in their eyes. The truth is having bias is a part of human evolution. You know, it's a shortcut for us to, to get to where we need to go. Yeah. Uh, and it fulfilled a purpose. It still does fulfill a purpose. Uh, you know, without these, um, you know, uh, heuristics, we wouldn't be able to, uh, to, to leave the front door. If we rationally calculated every single thing we had to do, um, we'd actually have a lot of difficulties interacting um, it, with modern life, which in fact, a lot of people in the, the, the sort of the neurodiverse spectrum actually have that condition. Um, so we need to accept we have the bias. We also need to kind of um, take the toxicity out of having bias. It's okay to be biased. Um, you know, we all have them. Uh, but let's understand what it is and let's understand how appropriate that bias is in this context. Because let's say we're both in the, the recruiting and, and human resources game. That's actually super insignificant. If you're um, carrying bias into a situation and you're not aware of it, that's hugely significant. Um, if you're carrying bias, that's okay. But if you're aware of it, that helps a great deal because you can take steps to mitigate um, or you can kind of get other people involved again to mitigate um, uh, the, the, the bias that you have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think especially as we're, uh, as organizations are looking to develop um, leaders, uh, black leaders at the, at the C-suite of their organizations, ultimately uh, many of those people have to be developed through the organization. And if you find yourself as a young black professional working for a manager that has bias, that doesn't know they have the bias, the likelihood of being able to develop that professional into somebody who is going to be able to thrive through the organization reduces quite significantly. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that the more we know about how our brains work, the better. Um, you know, we need to surface this up. Um, I don't actually like the term unconscious bias. I think subconscious bias is 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 more accurate term um, because we need to kind of move it to consciousness. Yeah. Uh, we need to we need to raise it so that we're aware of it. And if we're aware of it, then we have a moral choice. Um, uh, you know, we we kind of choose to go with the bias um, because it's easier, we're lazy or whatever. Um, or we can challenge it and say, hey, um, actually, there's no uh, rational reason why I have this opinion. Um, I need to, to check myself here. 
No, I think that's really smart um, and completely agree. Uh, yeah, no, so that's some of the things that, you know, again, uh, just, just building on the, the, the conversation topic, it is that acknowledgement, as you point out, it also is the commitment to training. It is the commitment to that ongoing conversation internally. But how does that manifest into something different? Um, how does that change the, the, the makeup of the organization in order to ensure ultimately the company is reflective of the societies in which we work? Um, I, I don't know if you thought about it at all, but if you're talking about many industries, financial services, um, you know, even, even, even here at SHL, we're very underrepresented as far as our black employees are concerned to the general communities in which we uh, service. You know, yep. how do we change that? Um, I think, you know, sometimes we can make bias work in our favor, man. Um, like one of, the, uh, the, one of the, the main reasons why diversity can't be achieved is because the uh, hiring company is itself non-diverse. So you've got this vicious circle, basically, um, because you are a homogenous organization, you actually deter people um, that don't fit type. Um, you deter them from applying. Um, uh, it's similar with gender. You know, if you have an all-male interview panel or whatever it is, that's going to actually really have a, a significant impact on your attempts to diversify on gender. So we, we, if we understand that, then we can immediately do something about that. Well, we actually need to elevate the um, diverse can employees we do have into positions where um, they are involved in the recruiting or the branding process. Um, you know, we need to get that visibility there. Um, I forget who did the research, but wasn't it a case where, you know, uh, and this is actually really relevant at the educational level, Arthur, because we also know that uh, in education, um, uh, uh, people are very underrepresented of a certain time. In fact, black males, I believe, as teachers, are one of the uh, very significantly underrepresented. That has a huge impact on black boys um, right. because they don't see um, a, an authority figure in the educational context, someone who they cannot relate to. Uh, if the default, for instance, of education is actually a white middle-class woman, um, uh, then guess who are going to necessarily, who get, guess which type of student is going to thrive more in that situation? It's, it's mm -hmm. going to be a female, um, white middle-class background, probably. Um, so we need to do something about that. Um, and I think this is where you go first to uh, the people um, that are diverse in your uh, uh, business uh, and get them involved. So to give you a little bit of an analogy, this is something I've learned very recently, Arthur, because like I say, I'm just fumbling my way forward like everybody else, by no means an expert. So I run a podcast, I run a, uh, I run a webinar, a regular webinar, and I noticed over time that inevitably that the guests, uh, I try to be diverse, I try to be fair, I try to do all of those things, but my mechanism for getting guests on the show generated the same type of people. Right. It was generally white males that stepped up to say, hey, I'll come on your show. And then I, I thought, why is that? Because um, I was being fair, Arthur. I was literally giving a public shout out saying, hey, anybody interested in this? And it was a consistently a certain type of person uh, that would come on from great guests, by the way. So nothing on them personally. But then I started examining it and I thought, you know what? Obviously, me doing these public shout outs or creating this type of method of selection really helped certain types of people say yes, but it stopped other people saying 
Yes, also. Um, and I needed to change how I did that. Uh, and so now my process is actually before I do the shout out, uh, which I still occasionally do if I need to. Right. Um, but I would go out first to seek out people um, that are from under, underrepresented on my show. Um, uh, you know, so I would seek out um, an ethnic minority person, let's say, or I would seek out a, a female or even a male at times yeah. if, it, if the topic tends to be dominated by females. So it's almost like you have to think, where am I underrepresented? Go there first before you go back to whatever the default sort of recruiting or assessment process you have. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it, it is, it, it's the commitment. And I like to, I like the way you say you're just a, a dude fumbling your way through this. I mean, anybody who says otherwise, I think is being disingenuous, right? It's the continuing to fumble our way through it until we find an answer, uh, which is, it, which is the, the, the resilience we're going to all need to find ourselves in. And we have to do it by asking out, being inclusive and getting the people who have the answers. And how do we have more inclusive circles to come up with those answers? Another factor, which is, again, one of the really tricky factors of, of diversifying organizations is that uh, the, the white men are in positions of authority in these businesses. Uh, for there to be substantive change, we need to get them on side. Um, so they have to be in the room. Uh, but we also need to find a way to create space for other voices to step in uh, and have equal weight. And I yeah. think that's where a lot of the, uh, the finessing and the, uh, uh, the, the skill, the organizational skill um, comes into play. That's, that's management skill, man. Yeah, no, agreed. So what else? What else do we, uh, what, what, what else are you thinking about? Well, one thing that's really impressed me of late is the community in general, I think, is very much rallied around community. I'm speaking here in particular about HR and recruitment professionals, people who work in the people business. Um, I think the overwhelming majority want to do something about this. Um, and I think overwhelmingly, the majority are broadly aligned uh, with taking a proactive step. So coming off the HR fence um, right. where we don't take a position, uh, but actually saying, okay, we are going to try and do something. Um, and this obviously bleeds into politics. We know the situation in the U.S., extraordinarily tense um, and, uh, you know, I think hugely challenging. I would not envy my friends uh, in HR in the U.S. right now. I got to be honest. You know, how do you handle that? I don't know. It's very tough. But um, what HR, uh, what the community is doing is surfacing up tons of resources um, that are openly shared, publicly shared. I think they're really kind of tapped into the open source uh, kind of vibe of it. Um, and they're pushing stuff out. So it's now very easy to find uh, resources, examples, case studies, stuff that can help you make the argument, but also help you implement something uh, without you having to reinvent it from scratch. Like I can totally imagine if you're the one person HR function in some business in some town somewhere and you're wondering how the hell am I going to do all of this on top of my other work? Well, thankfully now we've got a lot of resources of this wider community, almost a human cloud, if you like, providing this, uh, this type of support. So that's where I think we should, and this is basically where I see my major role to be less of a, uh, of a producer of this type of resource, but as a promoter of it and just to make sure people are aware of it. Um, uh, you know, if I can highlight these things in the newsletter, for instance, that goes to tens of thousands of people every week, maybe two, three people will be aware of it that they weren't aware of it before. Um, and that can give them just one tool or one framework or one community that they can tap into and help push that marble forward. 
Yeah, no, that's good. You know, I'm with you. And I, as, as we talk about what, it's just keep on moving forward, um, as said at the beginning. And uh, there's lots of material out there. There's lots of things that we can replicate from what others have done. Uh, but I do think it's bringing our true authentic selves uh, to work every day, uh, exploring these issues, uh, practicing, uh, and as you said before, failing and getting back up uh, and know that we ultimately are going to be measured as people, as businesses, as a society uh, for what we do based on this moment in time. Uh, and what do our businesses look like 12 months from now? How have we tangibly changed 12 months ago, 12 months from now? And being able to articulate that uh, and being able to be proud of that uh, and knowing that there's another 12 months and maybe another 12 years or another 24 years ahead of us that we need to continue uh, to work to, to improve and get better, uh, to, to be more inclusive. Can I add one thing to that, um, Arthur? I mean, you have to be very open with every single step that you're making and be very straight. Say, hey, listen, I'm starting in this position and I know there's a huge amount I don't know. This is what I know so far. And from this information, I'm taking this step. Like you have to overshare your process, your thinking process, your, your implementation processes, put it out there, get the feedback, make it very open. I think where people um, doubt the, uh, how genuine um, the commitment of, of certain businesses might be is when, oh, there's a big announcement, as you mentioned, about a CEO at the top. And then, you know, three months later, there's some sort of package rolled out and then boom, it's like ticking the box, it's done. But you haven't seen any of the, the journey. Um, you haven't observed the, 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 the you know, uh, the evolution of how this is, uh, of how that organization has moved from A to B. Um, it's just kind of miraculously appeared to be getting to being, you, you do wonder how genuine or deep you felt that is. So being transparent and open with your journey, I think is a critical part for making this work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, anything else in closing? Well, in closing, I, I would simply, um, again, just underline my own position on it being just a guy fumbling forward um, and, and open to criticism, open for feedback, open for whatever, you know. Um, I think um, ultimately, if we're all sort of falling forward, um, uh, that's going to help us get to where we need to go. And, you know, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this uh, podcast who you know, may feel a little bit of reticence or feel a little bit of fear for, for taking certain positions, um, that's understandable and that's okay. Um, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is the role. You're, you're in human resources. Um, uh, you know, you're there to look after the people in the business. So you know, um, uh, have a think about what that true purpose really is. It's a great conversation today, Hung. Thank you very much for your time. And I'd love to expand it. What do you say? Yeah, I'm totally up for it, man. I mean, as we said at the start of the show, I think it's very important that, uh, you know, people that, uh, that don't have the lived experience get involved and start supporting uh, Black Lives Matter. But it'd be great to try and get people who do have that experience into the conversation as well. So uh, if you want to set that up, I'm all for it. Excellent. We'll do just that. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com.